You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. And this week, again, guys, is no exception to that rule. We have the one and only hip-hop master, Sage Francis. Yes, I said Sage Francis is on Peer Pleasure this week. I am so stoked for this, guys. This was such a cool conversation. I knew it would be, but I, you know, going into it, I, I had, I didn't know how it was going to go because I don't have many hip hop artists on the show. Um, and say, I've been a fan of Sage Francis forever, uh, since the first record came out and just absolutely blows my mind every time he releases a new record. And I was so stoked that he wanted to come on and what a fantastic guy. He's a super interesting dude. You're going to hear a lot about how, uh, his life is what his eccentricities are. We went into a tangent on my son because um, <laughs> he had a pretty, well, I'm laughing but because uh, he's okay, but he had a pretty serious accident. We talk about that, um, and that kind of derailed our first attempt at doing the interview. I had to reschedule with him, which I hate doing, but every once in a while something goes down, and, and I have to do that. So he was very gracious with that, and we just had an absolute blast so I'm stoked for you guys to hear this. So uh, we'll get into it here in just a second. I want to get some business out of the way. We've got some amazing sponsors to talk about. We've got Stumptown Mattress. Stumptown Mattress is your one-stop shop here in Portland, Oregon, and in the Northwest, and for the country. 
So you can shop. They are based here in the Northwest, but you can shop uh, anywhere in the lower 48. You can have it sent to you free shipping. These mattresses are fantastic, guys. I talk about it every week. Uh, it's been two, three weeks now, I believe. I've been sleeping on this mattress, and it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I can't say enough good things about them, guys. They are made of sustainable materials. They are priced right. They're here in the Northwest, local business uh, to us here in Portland. And they delivered it, you know, to our door, uh, Michael and the crew. So, I mean, customer service-wise, it's fantastic. But, guys, seriously, get on the website, stumptownmattress.com. Look at the prices. You're going to blow your mind because they are absolutely fantastic. I mean, just crazy how much they're charging for these amazing mattresses that you pay double for anywhere else. So give them a shot, stumptownmattress.com. Uh, we got a new sponsor this week, Merge 4 Socks. And you guys have seen my Instagram. These socks are amazing, guys. They are uh, a buddy of mine, Chris Swinney, who just joined Jabberjaw uh, with that one time on tour. Um, I saw his post on Instagram and reached out to him about Merge 4. Talked to Cindy at Merge 4, and she's coming on board to sponsor the show. Now, these socks are absolutely comfortable, super durable. I was shocked when I opened the box how the weight they have. And you can always tell when something's made well. You know, you can, it has some weight to it. It's got some, some strength to it. These socks are absolutely crazy. The artwork is amazing. They have a lot of different band collaborations, pro skateboarders, uh, Rick Thorne, pool seekers. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. So check out mergeforsocks.com. Um, check them out on Instagram. Let them know that Dewey from Pure Pleasure sent you and go get some socks. Also, we have artistflags.com. Artistflags.com, you've seen the pictures on my Instagram as well. I'm trying to incorporate more on my Instagram with my sponsors so you guys can see the stuff I'm using, see how I'm using it, and see it in action. So you see the flags up in the studio that's getting built, and uh, I'm not recording in it this time, but hopefully in the next two weeks I'll be recording in that new studio uh, at the new place. So check out artistflags.com. They get all your backdrops, scrims, everything you need for your stage. Or your studio. Studio, you could put in your garage. Uh, if you have live events, they're absolutely amazing. So check out artistflags.com, guys. We really appreciate having all these sponsors. They really help keep the lights on. And, uh, you know, love supporting small business. So definitely go check those guys out. Um, all right, guys. So let's get into this one. This is going to be a cool one, guys. You're going to have a blast. I had a blast. Let's get into my conversation with Mr. Sage Francis. I was a lot more comfortable being vulnerable and open when I was younger and it wasn't clear if I was or wasn't joking but so much is broken just like fuck it the fix is in if I can't hide in plain sight anymore I'll just stay hidden it's been a minute since I left this domicile no need to change my outfit I'll rock it like it's going out of style it's out of style ain't no one here to tell me otherwise it gets more difficult to stay inside during the summertime but most of the time it's just like any other time avoid personal interaction Human touch, shut the blinds. It's been a while since I left the spatula pad. I need to go to the market soon, cause the food is going bad. The food is bad. I found it's difficult to just cook for one with healthy recipes. Well, depending on what book they're from. If you wanna eat healthy, you gotta dirty some dishes. The frozen dinner's quickly ready to serve, and it's so delicious. It's not delicious, it's disgusting. But it satiates the hunger with a quickness. And hey, at least it's something. At least it's something. At most it's nothing. The fuck's wrong with me? 
I don't know, I'm just adjusting. It's been a month since I left this cabin. The doctor was worried about a fever and other difficulties I've been having. She called me on Christmas, that was my gift. She was worried I might die. I said I might die. No shit. I, uh, yeah, you sound you sound wonderful. I just want to make sure I don't sound like I'm in a tin can. No, you sound like you're in a tent. <laughs> All right, I can deal with that. I can deal with that. It's uh, yeah. Let's call it a yurt, dude. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, big big yurt guy over here in Portland, Oregon, for sure. That's <laughs> that that might be lost on somebody else, but I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> well, man, I'm glad we were able to connect. I'm sorry about last time. That was a fucked up situation. My son fell out of our second story window 16 feet to the Whoa. ground. He's Holy crap. seven years old, special needs. And uh, they said basically what saved him is he's with his, his uh, chromosome anomaly. He's uh, kind of like a drunk driver all the time. He doesn't tense. So he just kind of hit the ground and was crying and wanted me to pick him up and then wanted to go chase the cat. It was weird. So That is very, very weird. Um, what's the chromosome anomaly? Is he Down syndrome? Uh, no, it's kind of it's it's more bordering on autism. It's a it's a deletion off his 10th chromosome. Um, they call it a 10P deletion. So it basically just fucks up everything down the midline so brain spine heart huh. bowels everything in the middle um yeah is affected but then you know he's verbal <clears throat> he's very verbal um but a lot of his behaviors and sensory stuff mimics autism but it's not autism if that makes sense it's weird so he gets along well with down syndrome kids like he fits right in with them well yeah, everybody does. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, but they the um that's what is the percentage of of people who have that? Because that sounds super unique. It is. That's uh, ironic that you say that too, because uh, the foundation for this um these deletions is called unique, and it's in the UK because there's not many reported cases in the US. Right. So no, I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. Like the the we took him in to get tested um, when he was young because he was you know he was like two years old and he was he wasn't doing much and there's a geneticist in Portland we brought him to him and the whole team literally came running in all excited that they found out what was wrong which was really weird it was kind of a mind fuck because it's like okay this is gonna affect us the rest of our life in this right. way but you were stoked because you're nerds and you found it and uh, they they it was weird anyway they um. They died. Well, let's make this about. Let's make this about. This is way more interesting than anything you can talk to me about in my life, because I'm so interested right now. But um, when they found that, um, had they not, what do you think would have happened? I'm pretty sure they would have given him eventually when he was old enough to be diagnosed. They would have probably given him an autism diagnosis. Yeah. And we wouldn't have found any of these other things. He's got he's had several surgery. He had heart surgery at four days old. Oh, okay. And, okay. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, because it's 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 affecting like actual like physical like uh yeah, different parts of the body. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's tethered spinal cord. So he was yeah, it was weird. Like his movements, he wasn't crawling or he had to, we had to put him through physical therapy to get him to crawl and walk and now he's running and jumping and doing everything, but it's just Jeez. a little off. So like he fell out of a second story window. Yes. 
Yeah. That's crazy. I, I, I did, when I was a baby, I fell off the top of a slide and landed on my head. Oh, my God. <laughs> And I was knocked. That's the only time I've ever really been knocked out. And my mom always tells me the story because she was so freaked out about it. And um, I, for some reason, I, I have a weird memory of it, but probably only because she keeps telling me the story about the way I was laying and oh. the trauma of the the actual situation as it was happening. And 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 it's just yeah, it's wild that you say just being not tense and kind of letting it happen as it happens kind of helps out in the long run. I guess that's a, that's a blessing in disguise. That's a good silver lining to that story. Dude, it is. And it's, it's weird. Cause I mean, you, you, I walked in the room and he was crying and he was gone. Like the window was open and he was gone. I did not want to look down, but the fact that he was crying, oh let me know he was alive. So, yeah. Yeah, it was Crap. insane. But one thing we were talking about there, what you know, almost like a fabricated memory, maybe what you're talking about, remembering falling off the slide. Right. One thing I heard through a podcast was this interesting notion that when we remember something, we don't remember it. We remember the last time we remembered it. And that's how stuff gets skewed and stretched and and uh, misguided that way. It's kind of a weird yeah. thing to think about. Yeah, have you ever had those kind of memories, though, where you remember it a certain way and then you re-remember how it actually was and you're like, oh, man, I almost fooled myself because I've had that several times. I have, and I've also had people call me on it and be like, no, that does not what happened at all. And then they you know, give me the actual memory, and then it, it, it chimes me back into where I was yeah. at. And uh, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> I guess this is why uh, – this is why uh, – the like physical witnesses, visual witnesses aren't very reliable in court. Exactly. Exactly. They have. Yeah. It's, it's such a weird people's lives hang on these. Yeah. It's weird. It's <laughs> <laughs> wow. We just went super deep here. This is crazy. Uh, That's the best place to start. I, I know. Mean, as well keep going there. This is awesome. This is Oz. Well, you know, to introduce you to everybody listening, you know, well, of course, when this comes out, Sage Francis, welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. Thank you. I've never been peer pleasured before, oh. and I, I'm already really feeling this. You're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, so I I heard your music for the first time, uh, the Personal Journals record. Um, in a car with one of the guys and uh, I used to play in bands and all this stuff. And, uh, he randomly had it playing in his car and I was like, man, what is this? He's like, you've never heard this? Like, no. And from that moment on, I've been a fan and, and love what you do. And I immediately w was drawn to what you were doing. Um, and you've always had this, this kind of, I mean, you've always been interesting and I know, and, and to me, and so it's always been um, uh, your music's always been a go-to for me for years and years and years, um, and I didn't know much about you until um, I'm a I'm a commercial plumber and for my day job, and so I listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm working, and I was working at mm -hmm. Nike and uh, Yoni's podcast. Um, the episode you did with him on the Wandering Wolf came on, and uh, I was like, oh shit maybe I'm going to learn something here. And then I got to listen to your whole, you know, a lot of your story with Yoni, who I love his style too. He's been on this show too. Um, 
and it was it was just kind of tied everything together in this really cool you know it, it drew me closer to what you're doing um so anyway yeah that's, that that's... that that podcast was interesting because um i first met yoni back when i was recording personal journals that's when i first met him i had really no idea who he was but mm-hmm. he was in the circle of people in that warehouse <laughs> the anticon commune yeah you know a lot of really interesting creative stuff was happening but there was different factions and he was not part of my own um he like even though we were part of a circle we were not we were not comrades and um all those years later when i finally did his podcast that's the first time we really had a powwow See, that's interesting to me because, yeah, you, he mentioned that a few times in that episode, uh, you know, just how, I mean, you guys had been aware of each other, but you can right. really tell it was like this cool, like opening up kind of um, getting to know you kind of thing, even though you guys were already friendly. So it was like, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing where at that time, I think everyone was so enwrapped in what they know they needed to do for their own careers that... It wasn't it wasn't party central there. You know, it was like we were artists and we were not party cats. We were literally knocking out as much creative stuff as possible. And um, I literally was the outsider in that whole atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Like I had to fly in from Rhode Island. I went there. Soul brought me in and I was brand new to almost everybody there except for Alias and um i felt that way and in fact i spent a lot of my time there alone and recording on my own i like nobody was engineering my recordings i was doing it all on my own <laughs> which is amazing i, I yeah, now that. that i think back on it i'm like holy shit like i i don't know I'm just happy that the situation was the way that it was. Six, oh, actually, I can't. I can't overlook six two. Six two was one of the guys I had a close, very close connection to because we had already done something um, in Halifax, Canada together, mm-hmm. and we had a we had a pretty strong relationship. And in fact, he was working on his his instrumental album and a few of those that I ended up using for personal journals um, songs. So. I mean, he was actually the person I got the most material out of to work with while I was in the Bay Area. But um, um, Alias was always the nicest and most accommodating and, you know, encouraging. Him and 6-2, I would put side by side. And Soul, I vibed with on a very... um, we are the same kind of asshole from New England, <laughs> you know, like like these Bay, like like any West Coast cat, any Midwest cat, they really don't get uh, New England asshole humor, <laughs> which is supposed to be endearing, but to most people, it comes off as abrasive and offensive, and that's that's why Soul created so many enemies i think early on in his career um but why we also bonded so tightly and i think i somehow i finagled some type of uh, what would you call it like um i i just kind of knew how to tone it down when necessary and he didn't 
Well, you have you you have uh, it's people skills, it's communication. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Soul, soul does not have those. What's up, soul? Lack <laughs> those people people skills, and we respect that. I guess empathy too. Maybe it's empathy. You could see you can put yourself in their <laughs> shoes real quick and be like, oh shit, I need to back down. Yeah, and, and you know, big ups to my stepfather for teaching me that because I remember a time when I didn't have empathy. It, it's it's a very clear it's a very clear memory of me witnessing him empathize with something and and me being so curious about it and really kind of like taken aback like whoa why does he care so much about something that's not directly affecting him and um you can remember that exact experience i can yes i can He, he did it with pets he did it with just kids he didn't know he did it with me you know it's just over time it's i feel like it just kind of I, I cracked the code of what was not probably part of my, I don't know, natural upbringing, but um, that was the nurture part of my upbringing that he exposed me to, and I, I've, I've really taken to it, and I totally I give him full credit for that. That's insane. That's that you can remember. That. I mean, that that has a huge impact on everything you've done since. I'm sure. Yeah, I would say so. Wow. Definitely. That's how yeah. old were you when this was when this first kind of manifested itself to you? How, when did he come into your life? Um, when I was three years old, oh, and okay. I remember I remember when he moved in. Uh, I've never told this story before. I just this feels like I've been doing a lot of podcasts, so I might as well just tell things that haven't been on other podcasts. Well, I appreciate <laughs> um, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who the heck wants you know? If someone's searching out podcasts I've been on, and they keep hearing me say the same story. Who the, wants to hear that? Yeah. Um, uh, but I remember he moved in. My mother was working at the YMCA. She was a lifeguard there. Okay. And, uh, he, he was a patron there and, um, they, they got together and he was moving in. He brought in his laundry basket of clothes. I told him to get out cause it was my house, you know, oh, and, um, and then he kind of pretended like, okay, I, I'll move out now. I'm not going to move in here. And he, he'd like picked up his laundry basket and walked outside and my mom, demanded that I apologize to him. And, um, that was the first time where I realized, okay, life is about to be different mm-hmm. from what I, you know, what I thought, well, well, what was normal at the time. Mm-hmm. So I remember that I remember not liking the fact that I was forced to do that. But, um, over time, I'm very grateful that that happened. But, um, as far as he is concerned, I feel like the natural part of myself is much more like my mom. She's such a badass bitch. She's like, she just does not put up with shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had a softer side to him that I came to grow to understand and appreciate and eventually adopt myself. And, um, there was several moments that I remember. I just remember there was, there was times we would drive by like roadkill and he would be so visually affected by it and, and visibly affected by it. I would see that. And then like, at first I remember thinking he was so weak 
Mm -hmm. in, I mean, even as a kid, I'm just saying as a kid, like, sure. why the hell do you care about something you didn't, you didn't like, know? it wasn't your pet. You don't know that animal who cares. And then, and now I, when I experience these things in adulthood and I, 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 like, I feel these like actual pains in me when I see something that is hurt. Like there's these like sharp pains that go up my spine and I'm like, man, wow. Like, yeah, I like totally relate to what I was witnessing when I was a kid, uh, through him yeah. and not understanding it as a kid, but now as an adult, it's, it's, it's just those weird things that you, the older you get and you look back on things that you did not understand and you kind of like scoffed at when you were a dumb kid and now you totally get it. I know where it comes from. Yeah. That's interesting because it's like a people usually get desensitized the more they're exposed to things like this, but it's, no, it's, seems like it's the reverse. Like it, he kind of sensitized you to this, this kind of thing. And also how brave is it to not even, I guess brave is the wrong word. You know, I grew up in the punk rock scene and I mean, you were a different person than you were at home, always. And I assume it's the same in hip-hop, where, you know, you, everyone's putting on a front, and then they go home, and you see them, like a buddy of yours, when he's home with his mom, and he's, you know, he's, he's you know, speaks differently, and um, acts differently, yeah, and reacts differently. But this, your stepdad, he's a grown man. He has no reason to put on a front for anybody, but he's still showing that kind side, which is, I, I find to be a lot more brave than just being the, you know, the big man. And you know what I mean? Where right, that took right. some no, guts, but it was, yeah. but it was real. Well, I will always say he was way more heart than he was brains. Okay. <laughs> um, and that's not an insult yeah. that I mean, this guy really, he was always himself to his detriment to, you know, to a fault and, and that hurt him in his jobs that hurt him in several relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, he just was always the same guy. He, he's just almost like I, again, I come from my mother. Yeah. She is a rock and she is stern and she is strict and, she is anxiety ridden, I believe, because I am also. Um, but he was so loose and happy and just happy go lucky, gung ho, kind and dumb in a weird way, like dumb with money, dumb with um, things certain, like adults need to put on lock so that their livelihood is situated yes. and you know <laughs> so it's like our house you know as much as he cared he didn't understand that the way that he operated actually negatively affected the home life because creditors were calling the house at all times and we'd have to answer the phone and like hold these fake conversations and tell them lies about you know who's where, why, what, and all that. It's like that, that was the, the negative and bad side of stuff, but it, it's a very small slice of the great pie that he created for, um, I feel like what my childhood was. Cause I look back on a lot of it with, um, 
with glowing warm feelings mm-hmm. despite what I knew what he and my mother were going through the whole time because that in itself was a, a problem for me and I feel like it, it's made its way into my music because with all the conflict that I experienced growing up between them um my her and my my biological father um the Oh man, kind of the just the weird tug and pull, tug of war bullshit between adults that kids have to witness, and people act like kids don't know what's going on, but they really do. Mm-hmm. And kids like to play into the fact that people pretend they don't know what's going on because that makes it easier because you don't have to talk about it. And then eventually it does. That's why I feel like it comes through in my music. There's, there's things that just kind of like, I can't escape when I'm writing because it's just embedded inside of my DNA at this point. Sure. Well, that's one thing I've noticed about your music is it's, it's very, it's very real. Like you're a very, you're very good with words. You're very, I mean, you have, you have a great vocabulary. You have a great, I mean, the, the, your use of the English language is fantastic, but also there's like this, this really, um, I'm trying to think the words to use here, ironically, <laughs> that it's, you can grab onto it and hold on to it because there's a realness there that you can't I mean people can smell bullshit a mile away it there's there's a real factor to your music that makes it really easy to grab onto and and kind of get engrossed in um you're a very believable person and I don't know I can't put my finger on what it is exactly but it was you know that first time I heard that record where it was instant like wow this is great like i can latch on to this you know what i mean there's there's people that have it and people that don't it's not something you can learn i think you either have it or you don't and it's something that that from what you're telling me throughout your childhood these different things kind of blending together you have that that uh a genuine factor and that's what what really does it i think yeah i mean i'm glad people can interpret it that way. There's also people who feel the exact opposite. You know, I, I have given up on trying to <laughs> prove to people I am what I am or, you know, what I'm saying is worth listening to that has no, um, I don't know, no leverage in what I do. There's no single thing pulling me toward one certain group of people or another i at first there was because there was you know i'm a hip-hop kid Mm -hmm. you're we're probably the same age right i mean i'm thinking 40s i'm 36 okay almost 37 yeah close yeah we're about we're within five years so we we grew up in an era where music really i was part of people's identity and you had to pick a genre because it wasn't like today you're not you can't just get all the music you want at all, you know, at all times, wherever you want. It's, it's, you have a genre because you can only afford one fucking tape or CD per week. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Long boxes. Yeah. And you're not, and you're not trying to risk jumping ship to another genre just there's just no time or money for that. So we picked our genre. 
that was our identity mm-hmm. and that is how I came up and I was I hate thinking about it now because I'm like people there's a part of me where I shake my fist at the sky like an old guy like oh these kids will never understand but also in jealousy like oh these kids have so much cool stuff because I there was very few instances where I would listen to stuff outside of hip hop and I would never let my friends know that because our identity was wrapped up in hip hop. Mm -hmm. But you know, like Dr. Demento had a great (laughs) radio show, you know, that he exposed me to beautiful stuff. And that's how I I came upon uh, the dead milkmen who Mm -hmm. were like my favorite punk group growing up. I just did a a show with them recently, my first show with them. And it was like, to me, a, a milestone. It was a great moment in my career that most people would never understand. And like Wikipedia would not care. <laughs> it, it wouldn't show up as a footnote in a lot of things, but I played a fucking show with the dead milkman, man. That rules. And was, yeah. Yeah. Like that stuff now matters to me. But back then it was a like dirty secret that I would even care about a punk rock song. Sure. Sure. But eventually, I mean, this was before I, I, I actually did get involved with the whole punk scene. This was because in 96, I kind of was forced into it by friends of mine who I came across in college and they introduced me to hardcore and the whole DIY thing, which eventually turned into my record label. So, I mean, there's many steps between when I was ashamed to even admit I'd listen to something something that wasn't hip hop and then totally adopting everything outside of hip hop in order to make my own hip hop viable. Yeah. And putting out multiple records on epitaph. (laughs) Yeah. And eventually that, I mean, but that was, yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's awesome. I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I was the exact, I mean, the exact opposite. I was into, to, I got into punk rock, uh, metal and punk rock. And then, that was everything like you said everything we go to the record store we'd literally go to the punk section and find what cover looked awesome and buy it and then we'd all <laughs> that's what it swap was. Yeah, yeah. or mail order <laughs> lookout records mail order and yeah. it was that's how we did or epitaph or fat records like any of that stuff and then you feel like you're playing catch up later because someone actually you see a skate video or a snowboard video with an amazing hip-hop song on it and you're like wow and you're like your head's bobbing like then you're like, wait a minute, what else is out there? And then, but you don't want to say anything about it, <laughs> you know? Like, you get by yeah, with rage I, against I, the I, machine, maybe. I mean, big, but. Sh- big shout out, big shout out to skate videos. Even on, uh, what is it, inline skate videos, the fucking rollerblader yeah. videos. Like, these videos expose me to an audience that normally would not listen to hip hop because they they put uh, crack pipes from personal journals on their videos and then all of a sudden they're like whoa i identify with this what is this you know and then they check out more stuff that they normally wouldn't and it was like an unintended gateway into a whole new audience that helped perpetuate a 20-year career for me so i'm i'm like i bow down to the people who took that risk to just accompany my music with their non-hip-hop you know uh scene material 
yeah it just it's like it's like that you that eyedropper of of food coloring in water like it just (laughs) and there it is and it's permanent it's permanent like you're done like that's it there you go that's that's wild but the the whole the epitaph thing even by the time they came around that was after that was already after so many punk kids had a you know been exposed to what i was doing and they had already Mm -hmm. seen that what we were doing in the indie hop um a, a, a certain portion of the indie hop scene was mimicking what i guess the second or third wave of punk had done in southern california mm-hmm. uh, they just saw a lot of parallels and i did too and i was like this just totally makes sense that's why i was like yeah i mean epitaph was like fully on board with that they're that's their origin they can make the most of this let's do this Mm -hmm. Uh, i didn't have the finances i didn't have the resources that they did in order to raise my profile to the point where they brought it when uh a healthy distrust was released Mm -hmm. but i i knew i had the audience that both of us could benefit from and hopefully just get into more people's ears so that was the goal i like i at that point i was like yeah i had already done several mixtapes uh at least three studio recorded albums and then they came on board with a deal that if i had to do it again i probably wouldn't accept certain terms but i don't fully regret it it certainly was not my worst business decision but uh i i and i still love a lot of the people that i first worked with at epitaph and i you know i would i would chill with them anytime and we still talk from time to time but it's um and maybe i will even work together again i feel like we should because next year is the 10-year anniversary of the last record i did with them Mm -hmm. and there's three songs from that album that weren't well, not on the album. Three songs I recorded with the other songs for that album that were not released ever. And sounds like a record two, store day thing. That's exactly what I'm thinking. This sounds like a, a record store day. This thing. is a record store day thing. Let's do an EP. Let's do a vinyl release because two of these, at least two of these songs, are some of the best stuff I did for that record, and for some reason we did not include them on the album. Dude, that's what you have to do. This is, yeah, it's, it's done. We'll we'll email Mr. Brett here tonight. We'll well, don't don't email Brett. I'll talk to <laughs> I'll talk to Andy. I don't, I'm not really sure where Brett's at with me, but um, we'll talk to Andy Calkin and we'll do it through Anti. We'll do it through their subsidiary. There you go. Dude, it's decided. Genius. There you go. <laughs> and he knows. He knows too. Andy's a Andy's a fan. Like he knows my stuff yeah. really well. And he must know they're sitting on some like heaters. Like these are not. These are not demos. These are not like. Ah, eh, maybe people will like it. No, these are really fucking good songs. Yeah. That. I almost decide I like I was considering re-recording for my own albums outside of Epitaph, and I was like, eh, nah. I mean, I stayed in Chicago for a month. We recorded them with Brian Deck. Um, they sound incredible. Let's let's see how to really make this work. So I'm gonna wait. I'm, 
2020. That's the year. It's a 10 year anniversary. It's a, 2020. It's a good year. That's a Fox, nice name. And you can call it hindsight. The hindsight seven inch. That's it. I'm going to talk about 2020. Life after death or Boom. something like. That. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Pure Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a life. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. 
There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of, of that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Why does life have to be so easy sometimes, huh? <laughs> when it's so damn hard the rest of the time. <laughs> Well, it just takes a lot of people to like do what they need to do. And then you realize no one does what they have to do. Yeah. Well, man, well, jumping back a little bit here to, you were talking about the anxiety that comes from your mother's side of things. Are you still, are you still, uh, living out in the woods? Um, as of December, I had to move from my uh, childhood home, mm -hmm. which I purchased off of my mother in 2004. Yeah. Um, I moved about an hour away into Connecticut in order to live in a house that um, we're currently renting, but it's with um, my fiance and two kids, and we're we're going to stay in Connecticut. I just, I don't think we're going to stay where we're at. We're just kind of right now making sense of this home. And okay. it's, yeah. So I'm, I'm not really in the woods anymore. I'm kind of in a suburban Connecticut. Uh, I don't know what you would call it. It's very, it's, it's kind of the first suburban place I've been in. How are you doing with that? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I, I am, uh, we don't interact with our neighbors. Okay. In fact, we hardly ever see neighbors. We feel like we're the only living people in this neighborhood, but at 5 a.m. every morning, some muscle car gets revved up so a guy can drive to work. Uh -huh. So I know people are alive out there. Um, there's also another rapper I've, I've worked with and known for ages who lives in the same town. And, um, I ran into him. His name's apathy. Uh, he's from Connecticut, obviously, cause I'm in Connecticut now, but uh -huh. I was at the, uh, the supermarket recently and I ran into him and his family in the parking lot, which was crazy. Cause I've known him like we've done stuff since 1999. Wow. And, and uh, I saw him loading his kids into the car, which is something I do now. 
And I'm like, oh, that's cute. And I'm like, <laughs> so I, I walked up to him, and with his back to me, I was like, hey, yo, son, let's cipher. Let's go. And, um, let's freestyle. That's what I said. Let's freestyle battle. Cipher. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, he was like semi-shocked, and then he was like, oh, snap. And like, we're like. Maybe we can have play dates with the kids. I don't know. It's it's so fucking weird, man. This is not anything I ever expected in my life. It is weird. Are these so are these stepkids or are these your biological kids? No, they, I mean, yeah, no, they're not my biological children. So even but, weirder uh, for you. Yeah, yeah, man. Not it's it, it for some reason it doesn't feel weird. I just feel so much more responsibility to make sure everyone is taken care of. Um, I, my whole life, my whole life is, is, I mean, I've had long-term relationships. I've always cared for people around me. I always make sure my family's taken care of. I always make sure anyone I'm friends with is taken care of, but I've pretty much lived by myself my whole life right up until recently. So, um, I have switched gears to a certain degree where I have to figure out how to get done what I need to get done, mm -hmm. um, creatively, uh, creative, creatively, but also for the sake of bringing in paychecks that will pay for the rent and many, many expenses that come with living with three people. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, so that's a new thing. That's a new thing to me. I just it's a whole new thing and also it makes touring more difficult. I I'll <laughs> I don't want to be away. Yeah. And um um I actually just you know, sorry Canada, but I canceled <laughs> your tour this year because I like we already have the entire US. We're doing at least 30 shows in the US. Then we're going to do a full month in Europe, then we're going to do about 2 weeks in the UK. And then I was going to do a full Canadian tour and then I was like, no, I cannot do that this year. There's like much. we've there's too much going on. I'm I have to figure out the, a balance between being there for those that I love and care about and um, how to make money off of my music, which is that is an, it's, I'm not going to say it's a brand new thing because that's what it was back when I first had a job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, how am I going to live off of music? You know, <laughs> like just for me. Yeah. But, after that, like when money was coming in and, and touring was good and album sales were a thing, which they aren't anymore. Correct. I, I'm just saying it's just trying to figure out this whole new world while living within a whole new world is driving me fucking crazy. That's all. <laughs> I think you're going to have some amazing output, though. I think it's going to put you when it puts you off your comfort zone. You know, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna bleed through into your your creative output. And think of the stories that your your kids are gonna have now when their stepdad came in the picture and, and the things he showed them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I hope circle. so. I can honestly, I can only hope. I can only hope. I I mean, that's I I 
feel like that could happen. Mm-hmm. I, but I also know that life is very unpredictable. Um, but I will continue to give everything that I have to these people that I fucking love. So, um, that's where I'm at. And my music undoubtedly will change and it has, and it, always did (laughs) you know like that's not a new thing from time to time i learn things as life goes on that's just that's just the nature of life Uh, i i just hate how people like will look at me and like do a personal journals part two and i just like want to rip their fucking throats out like mcgruber like no that's (laughs) you know i already did a personal journals part one I can never do that again. That was, I knew I had one chance to do an album just like that. I, yeah. That's exactly why that album is the way that it is. That's why most of my albums are the way that they are because I know in my situation, in that circumstance, that's exactly what I can do, but I probably cannot ever do again. And that's due to life circumstances. That's due to what I know in that moment. That's due to my energy levels. That's due to my voice. Sure. And you're not. I mean, you're not in the same situation at all. Like that's a. It's the. It's the environmental part of it too, where you know, like on the way the way over to the studio today, I had I had some music going of yours, and Make Em Purr came on, and that song always like puts me in a headspace. Where like, and I always feel like I hear something new every time I listen to it. But you couldn't do that again because you're not in that situation. Correct. Like yeah, it's the same thing. Like true. take your journal and take page one and just write it in a different different uh, font. You no, know. So I just it, I'll never change people's minds. But when they're like, do another thing like that, and it's like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> you, you know, you you pick your spots. You find those pockets of inspiration. And you speak your truth in a moment, and that becomes the thing that actually touches other people. And you were touched by that due to the circumstance I just mentioned, but it's you cannot recreate it into a part two. It's so fucking offensive when yeah. people say that. Yeah. And the other thing that's offensive is when people think they have ownership of your intellectual property. You know, like you put it out there to them. You know, you put out something about yourself, you know, from yourself, but then they feel like this ownership to where they can kind of control it or, or, I mean, it all, it means something to them, but at the same time, it's it's weird. I agree. I agree to a degree. It is theirs because it's part of their life just just because they identified with it, (laughs) you know, like that's part of their life. So I'll give them that, but if they're not grown enough to understand the complexities of how entertainment works <laughs> or how <laughs> I, I hate to call it entertainment, but for them, like for the type of people we're talking about, if it's entertainment, you have to understand where the creator is coming from mm-hmm. and what it means to them and how it came about and why that's not something you should ever throw back on them in a way to make them feel like if they made you feel good with their art, fuck you. If you're going to like talk shit. Sure. Sure. If they helped you in any way with their art, fall the fuck back. Yeah. Appreciate it. Show support, show support, show support, come out to shows, 
<laughs> or don't because i know like one like what a wonderful thing like i created this fan base of fucking introverts who don't come out to shows because like it's only the fucking weirdo introverts like me who stay at home and never go to shows who identify with my music and then i try to go out and do shows and then it's like oh yeah of course like these motherfuckers don't want to go out go outside dude there's a vice documentary you need to watch called one man metal and it's about those one those one man black metal dudes that do not yeah. play live, and like ones in Tasmania, ones in Oakland, and it's insane to to watch that. I mean, you may you may um, being an introvert yourself, you may. I'm not an introvert myself, but it, it so it freaked me out a little bit. I was like, man, I could not imagine being in that like capsule. And just always being, you know, not not ever. Yeah. Go, yeah. Anyway, but you should check it out. It's pretty interesting. What you're describing to me here is, is well, that sounds familiar. I may have seen, I probably saw a trailer for that. It sounds very very familiar. It's all over YouTube, but it's yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like a 20 minute thing, but, um, but I will say, it's been several instances um, in my touring career where because I I don't hang out a lot. Um, I will. Every show we do, I typically walk around the cities, like um, from the venue. Mm -hmm. When I have a chance, I just like try to get out and walk and walk and walk, and then I get back when I need to be. And I always come across the dudes who are leaving the show who already bought a ticket, and they're like, they see me and they they like freeze, and they're like, "Man, I'm so sorry." I'm leaving. I just can't be in a crowd right now. I can't deal with it. But I you know, I totally love this song or this that and I you know, I I love your music, blah blah blah. And I'm like, you know what? I love you and I fucking get it. <laughs> <laughs> thank thank you for giving it a shot and buying a ticket. Yeah. That helped. Thanks for giving it a shot. That means yeah. so much more than than anything else. That's that's it's, it's happened so many times. Yeah. <laughs> you know your crowd. That's amazing. Like yeah. I mean, and, and rightfully you should. But that is one thing on this podcast I've never heard described to me is is what you just described to me. I hear, you know, a lot of similar things and a lot of similar, you know, skate skateboard culture comes up all the time. I always joke that the only bands that don't say they were influenced by Fugazi is the guys from Fugazi that have been on the show. Um, and everything it's, it's, you know, you know, your audience, it's awesome, but I love hearing stuff like that because it's totally new and it, I totally picture it in my head, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, my hip hop in general is very word heavy and this is what separates every, every genre has their, their hooks, mm -hmm. what gets people into it. And I feel like the kind of hip hop that I do, it's, it's what you talk about. It's literally the writing. It's, it's the way words are used is the subject matter and how it's explored. And we have a lot of opportunity to get deep into subject matter when you're writing lots of words. And these are the kind of people who gravitate toward um, writing yeah. Like actual writing, yeah. actual writing. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm parsing my words here because, like, I don't want to disparage hip-hop that is 
also uses a lot of words but doesn't say shit yeah. but you know that's what it is <laughs> that's what it is yeah and um so we have these people who yeah they listen to my music and maybe not a lot of other hip hop but because the kind of things that I talk about and I go into depth with they identify with I get that um I don't totally identify with their uh, music choices because that's not my upbringing. I, I was all hip hop all the time mm-hmm. until I got into a little bit of punk rock and hardcore. But yeah, that was that. And now I don't listen to music at all. I don't listen to hip hop. I don't listen to rock. I don't listen to fucking punk, hardcore shit. Sometimes nothing. I don't listen to music. I do not listen to music. Mostly, it's if I do, it's just the softest, most calming stuff I can find. That's it. I cannot deal with music. It's all like it has to be sports talk radio with bad Boston accents. <laughs> That's, That's incredible. How, so I, I, I'll ask you this because you know music's influence on your life and how it's you know it it's it became a career it became it was a part of you you had to be exposed to it and we didn't touch on that at all which is fine because i'm sure it's everywhere else but now that you have kids do you feel guilty at all that they're not going to be picking up on that music that you were listening to you know dad played this in the garage um or it was always playing these records when i was growing up do you feel like maybe you're doing a disservice to them or are you are you more on the the side of you know, where you're at right now, no music, they will discover it on their own kind of thing. Or do you even think about that? I mean, that's, that's what first thing came to my head. I do. I, I do think about it. In fact, yeah. The only time I've been playing music out loud is when they're around. Cause I, I want music in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, that's such a tough, question to answer man i guess it is because <laughs> <laughs> i like for one i don't want them to know my music um you don't and want i don't them to want know your music i don't no, why is that i don't want to be thought of as that i am okay my per, in, in a personal sense i'm not my music you know okay and they know me as not my music and i don't want to blur those lines um, and I also understand that these kids are just kind of watching YouTube stuff and like the dumbest music is being played. Sure. <laughs> so every now and then I'm trying to sneak in like I'll like on my laptop, I'll just start playing stuff I think is kind of cool, but you know, like, <laughs> it's not for me. I don't want. I don't know what the hell is wrong with me, man. I don't want to hear music. I don't want to hear any lyrics. I don't want to hear tunes. I don't want to hear nothing. I want to hear people. In my leisure time, when I'm by myself, all I want to hear is like bad New England accents talking shit about (laughs) teams that I can't even watch on TV because we don't have cable anymore. So I don't care. Like. I know it's it's so stupid. It's the dumbest shit. Like I can't I can't watch any games. Like I have to go to like 
Buffalo Wild Wings to watch a fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> like, it's, yes. Uh, that's where I'm at. Like, I don't know what's going on anymore, but like, I don't want to listen to music, but I also, I, I want music in the house. Like, I'll throw on a blues playlist. I'll throw on a jazz playlist. I want music. Like, maybe part of me is just like, so later in life to be like, music was always in the house, you know, but yeah. really like, I I don't know what's best for I don't know what's best for them I just want to make sure they're not just listening to like um, what is the what is the thing there's like this certain freaking tune that you know like the shark song like that's good like uh, you know the shark song yeah do you know the shark song yeah my kids watch my kids watch YouTube constantly they have they have um Oh God! It's, it's um, I I don't I don't know the shark song. What you have to? This is like dude, dude, I fucking I. Can't, this is why I don't listen to music because I don't know I can't memorize these goddamn melodies. But they're really catchy. My mom's like plays it on her ukulele to the fucking grandkids, and like okay, there's a song. But like I also want, I want. I have to curate these playlists. I have to curate playlists. Ah, I have to curate playlists that are enjoyable and memorable uh-huh. and also educational. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't want rap. <laughs> so you just you can go through late at night and just kind of press play on a bunch of videos you think are cool so it changes the random cue for YouTube go play on the next exactly. video. <laughs> exactly. The, <laughs> you're like a ninja. This is great. This is the <laughs> most honest conversation I've had in a long time and yeah. I appreciate it so much cuz this is real life shit. This is Honestly, this is where we are. we are. We can't do anything else at this point, man. Yeah. We're fucking 2019. Can you believe like <laughs> We're here. It's almost over. It's going to be over soon. Yeah. So, okay. It's insane. God damn it. Oh, dude. Okay. So before we touch on, I've taken up way too much of your time here, but the, the, uh, in the back of my mind, I have to say it now, the cover of the record store day, seven inch hindsight is going to be you as McGruber ripping throats out. and now it's done i i got it out there i had to just say it because i've been picturing in my head the last five minutes and i couldn't get it out (laughs) are you you a big fan of mcgruber i've never seen it i've seen the i've never seen the movie i've seen the snl skit no the no no i almost never watched the movie because of the snl skit i know i like that snl skit may have ruined my life just (laughs) because the potential of it making me not want to see the movie. The movie is so goddamn good. Will Forte is a fucking genius. He is the best. And that movie I've shown every person, like every time a person comes over, like if we have the time, I'll throw it in and be like, you got to watch this. Oh my God. It's, it's, everyone loves it it's the best fucking movie made probably in the last 15 years it's so good okay i'm gonna that's my homework i'm gonna watch mcgruber you watch one man metal if you haven't already seen it i'm gonna watch mcgruber okay and i'll report one back metal. 
Okay. Yeah, it's you. Yeah, you'll identify with that for other reasons, and I'm going to enjoy some Will Forte because I do agree with you. He is a genius, and I I love his stuff, and I I. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say I don't know he's a genius, but that movie is genius. Everything about it is genius. Sure. I love everything Will Forte is in. He's a funny dude. I dig that cat, but w- the McGruber. The movie is so good. It's so criminally <laughs> underrated. I have a fucking movie poster framed, and of there's McGruber? no. I have Dude, the you McGruber have to do this record poster cover. frame. You have to do this record cover if you was McGruber. Oh my I mean, god! The only the only other movie I've watched as much as McGruber. There, I mean, there's two. Um, uh, the Last Temptation of Christ, which was a Scorsese flick. Uh-huh. Have you seen it? I have. I've, I've watched that countless times, just mainly due to the the score. Yeah, because the the Duduk, there's like uh, the music is so incredible. But um, you know, and I don't know, there's the story itself, the the characters, and the plot twists, and you're like, who is this guy? Oh, he's He's kind of cool. Like Jesus. Have you heard of Jesus Christ? Of course. Okay. Obviously we all have, but <laughs> like, did you know that like he had a last temptation? Of course. Yeah. Of and do course. you know what it was? Do you know what it was? I do not. It was to live. That's right. Oh my god. That's right. <laughs> okay, so the other <laughs> the other movie that I've watched probably over a hundred times is Ninja Three: The Domination with Shokasugi and um, the woman from the woman from um, Breaking and Breaking Two: Electric Boogaloo. Uh, but Ninja Three: The Domination is an incredible '80s ninja flick, which incorporated all types of action but also psychic phenomenon and spiritual stuff and it was a canon film there's a great documentary also on canon but uh i think it was canon is that what it's called canon yeah but whatever the case like that was a movie as a kid i just watched over and over and over and over i have like these very neurotic tendencies that i have to watch the same thing over and over (laughs) and this is also why i don't listen to music like um the reason why i listen to sports talk radio and i'm not really up on a lot of music is because like I already have my playlist of songs that I created over 15 years ago that are still just playing over and over. Like I have the songs I like. These are what play in my life every day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if I want to go to the playlist, there they are. And like, I know what they are. I'm not going to be surprised. And you'd be, I suck. And like, that's, this is the exact reason why anyone who identifies with me wouldn't like help perpetuate my career because they've already heard other shit. So that's where we're at. But 
this brings us to where we're at now because a lot of people in like who know my music mm-hmm. don't want to accept the fact that I'm in a new group called Epic Beard Men. Yes. Perfect segue. Epic Beard Men. And this is real talk because people are so reluctant to fucking listen to the Epic Beard Men stuff just because the name is so bad. Do you know why it's bad? Why is that? (laughs) Because I chose the name purposely. I was like, bad name. Let's see what we can do with it. And um, that's because I learned long ago a name doesn't matter. It's what you make of it. There's fucking bare naked ladies, you know, fuck them. Dude, my name's Dewey. Come on now. I'm just saying. <laughs> Dewey. You don't look it's like what, a Dewey. Oh, yeah, you do. It's me. what you make of your name, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I was like, Epic Beardman, that's going to be funny and fun, and we're but we're going to make something great of it. And we still are, but I'm, I've already seen Resistance, and I knew it was coming, and now I'm mad, even though I knew, like, I predicted it. Yeah. Like Epic Beardman is not a serious name. It's just a fucking title. Sure. And you have two of the fucking illest lyricists putting down tracks that tackle a lot of really relevant issues, but also we're having fun within all of it. Mm-hmm. And people are going to fucking shit on it. And that's why we called the album. Uh, this was supposed to be fun. Because <laughs> you already foresaw coming. This is genius. This was supposed to be fun. That's yeah. what the album's called. It was It was supposed to be fun, and now it's not, because these fucking people shit on fucking it. Fucking shit you. on it. That's it. And now Canada's out, and Oh, I mean, I don't want to think. T- I don't want to think too many steps ahead, but like these people, really, like they're they're predictable. So, I didn't pick the title. My fiance did. She was like, "I like that title. This was supposed to be fun." <laughs> that, that makes it even better. Yeah, this is she was like, "Hey, we were supposed to be having fun. What happened?" Yeah. Shit. Goddamn. Oh my god, dude! This has been a blast. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. This has been an absolute blast. I I uh, I really appreciated this conversation. It's it's definitely definitely gave me some insight into some new things, and we've had some good moments. I I, I agree. I'm glad you think the same way. And now we're both gonna like fall on our face. I'm sure. Yeah. It's awesome. This is great. This is why I do this show because it's it's. It, it's my it's a journal for me. It's a journal for my kids to listen to to see where I was at, what Dad was thinking, weird ideas, or who he was talking to, or you know. Um, but dude, I I appreciate the time so much. And like I said earlier, I, I'm sorry we had to reschedule it, but um, you know, I know time's valuable, and and uh, you know, I I appreciate the the stuff you're putting out, and uh, it's it's hung on to me for a long time and so it was really cool to to chat with you and kind of pick your brain a bit and talk as two people yeah i appreciate it too thank you for doing this and uh best wishes to you and your family love you absolutely same to you sage i appreciate it man and uh i'll be in touch with everything when it's coming out and and all that and and uh thanks again man all right good good night dewey all right brother talk to you later 
Peace. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sage Francis. I had an absolute blast. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Uh, got a lot out of it. What an interesting guy. I mean, he just got so many cool things going on. And <laughs> I know we got off topic sometimes and just kind of, I mean, we just have a conversation on this show. I mean, that's how it goes. And I love it. You know what I mean? I feel like I make a new friend. If it's someone I didn't know before, every time I do one of these shows and we're approaching episode 100 and that's a hundred conversations over a hundred hours of material. I mean, you guys, if you're just joining the show, you got a lot of work to do to catch up, but I definitely encourage it. Uh, definitely go and rate and subscribe to the show on Apple podcasts. It absolutely helps us with chart position. It helps us with everything. Seeing those reviews are a great part of my week. Getting emails from you guys are a great part of my week. I love doing this show, but I also love reaching out and, and connecting with you guys as well as I same thing that I do with the guests. So definitely check out the sponsors, stumptownmattress.com, artistflags.com, and merge for socks. Those guys are, I mean, just great people. And I only bring on people that I really believe in on this show. I don't do a ton of ads. And the ads that I do, I usually do for a long time because people I work with for a very long time. So I try to bring great content to you guys and not bog you down with a bunch of garbage. You know what I mean? I really believe in what I sp the sponsors I have, I really believe in. So uh, once again, congrats to Chris Swinney for joining Jabberjaw. That one time on tour podcast, check them out. They're absolutely a great show. And uh, I was really pushing for him to get on Jabberjaw because it's absolutely, I mean, the perfect thing for him. So congrats to Chris. And uh, thanks again, guys, for coming back week after week. Really appreciate it. Absolutely appreciate it a lot. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. As always, we'll see you on the radio. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.